Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, Atlanta, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is sponsored by Computer Design and Integration and CDI Managed Services, where we provide outsourced IT integrated solutions, infrastructure and monitoring and management, automated data backup, and cloud computing. I'm Dom Rainey, and I'll be hosting today's show. We've got a great lineup here today. We've got a couple of great uh, local business leaders with us this morning and uh, to give us insight into their companies as well as a little bit about themselves as well. We'll be talking with, first up, uh, Tao Yang. Han, I may not have said that right, but it's uh, Mr. Han. You said pretty right. (laughs) We're just going to call him Han for now. Uh, He's with, uh, he's a chairman and CEO of uh, IronCAD LLC. And uh, you guys are located over in uh, Marietta? Yes, in Marietta and uh, nearby Roswell. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for driving over here this morning. And also we'll be talking with Lloyd Lofton. Lloyd is the chief sales officer, CSO. With Seven Figure Sales Tools. Great name. Love Dominic, that. thanks for having me. You do a great job, and I'm honored to be here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. We, same here. We appreciate you guys for showing up and um, being on time, and uh, you got to do that you know, because the radio is going to go one way or another, so we all got to be here on time, and it's great to have you here. Uh, so uh, let's just, just kick things off and uh, talk with Mr. Han here about his company, IronCAD. They're a very successful 3D computer modeling uh, software company. I'm sure you have other terms for that because uh, 3D is pretty exciting in these these days. Right. Typically, people call the computer edit design called CAD, C-A-D. C-A-D. Yeah, that's an abbreviation. Uh-huh. Sorry. Uh-huh. We, IronCAD is really, uh, I would say, it's an innovation company. Okay? We, we try to uh, serve the manufacturing industry. We were incorporated in 2001 and have headquarters in Atlanta. We have two offices, one in uh, United Kingdom, one in China. Okay. We, we try to do is provide the best three-dimensional design and collaboration software to our customers. Mm-hmm. Okay. We believe to design a very efficient and productive way is the key for our customer to win their business in their individual marketplace. Okay. And is it st- strictly for manufacturing? Is that your main focus? Yes, mainly is in manufacturing. Uh, we focus in machine design, fabrication, product design, and what's so-called the uh, modular system design. Mm-hmm. And by that, imagine you uh, on the shop floor of a factory, you have the production line. Although the producti- production line are different from one to the other, but they all compose of a similar standard component. Those are what we call the modular component. Okay. Yeah, or similarly uh, to the uh, consumer products, think about a bicycle. A customer can uh, compose his personalized bicycle by selecting those uh, modular components of bicycle. Sometimes we even allow them to modify those components. Oh, okay. And, and so, Mr. Han, you, you're talking, um, uh, is, I saw something on your website that's a single file. So you actually work around a um, a single file, but different components to it? Is that how it yes, works? Yes, we have the flexibility. When you design a huge product, for instance, you design a, a car engine, or it may compose of uh, thousands of uh, small components. Mm-hmm. Okay? And typically, other systems say you have one file stored your whole uh, engine, but each part have to have its separate files. But there, your engine file knows where are my other component located, so you can compose them together. Wow. But in our technology, you can do the same way as it is, or you can co- com- uh, collect all of them into a single file. So customers just need to, when I send my engine design to my partner, I just send single file. I don't need to say send 1,000 files and worry about me missing one. Well, that has made it a lot easier, more productive for everybody. and. Uh the collaboration is uh, probably very beneficial. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it is. So people don't need to uh, worry about the missing files. Well, we, we sort of decided uh, before the start of the show to make it kind of an interactive show, and I think uh, Lloyd's chomping at the bit to ask Let me you ask something. you a question. What problem would a potential customer be having that would make them realize they need your services? Uh, most time, people facing the difficulty is 
when, especially when people want to do some creative design, okay? And I don't really know what's the design result. So therefore I need to explore to various alternatives and very freely and not being restricted by a software tool. But then along the way, and the customer may give me feedback. I need to do some change. And those change probably totally un, not uh, anticipated. Uh -huh. So you have to have a very flexible system. You can do very structured design for engineering, but you can also have the freedom to do design changes. That's where our pow powerful system to offer. So the, when they contact you with that problem, uh, do you have particular steps that you go through with them to help kind of crystallize what the expected outcome is and what the process is? Yeah, typically we, we listen first. We need to understand those potential customers, how they do their business, what's the difficulties. Then from customer to customer, really different. Somebody, for instance, they need to, to win a project. So they need to quickly have a prototype. So our system have this uh, conceptual freedom. You can quickly, just like a play Lego, you drag and drop, you build something to show your concept, to win uh -huh. the deal. Mm -hmm. But then you can continue refine your design. So that's one kind of a customer. They may other customer like the conveyor or a production line. Most of what they use are standard components, but they need to say, I have a shop floor with this shape. How can I lay out something? I can see it uh, in real 3D. So I can imagine what I'm going to get before I even do it. So mm -hmm. all customer has different requirements. So when they contact you, are you doing new work for them or do you find yourself correcting problems that other vendors they used created? Most time is because we do, we sell software uh, tools, okay? But from some time we also do the consulting service, but most of the time we are selling software tools. People have difficulty using their existing software tools, not very productive. They, they have some difficulty to get what they want to do done. So in that case, they come to us, we, we understand their issue, we will recommend, we have a server product, we, we recommend to them what's the best product they to use. And many times they already have a legacy design data. We also need to work out how you can leverage your previous design from other system into our system. So it's really case by case different. Now, if, wow, they, if they have a problem that you're, that's unusual, do you go out to open source to look for resources or? Yes, we typically do what we do good. And those things we, are, we don't know, we do have other partners. We will get the other partners help and bring them in to provide the overall solution. Very good, very good. Great answers to great questions. This interactive stuff's working. <laughs> uh, we're talking with the president of IronCAD LLC, a 3D, 3D uh, software company. 2D as well, I'm sure. Yes, uh, our 3D solution in, embedded with a 2D solution as well. So mm -hmm. many people still doing design in 2D. It's not because they, they don't realize the advantage of design 3D, but the uh, people used to 2D, they kind of afraid of moving into 3D. It's complicated, it's expensive, need a long time of training. So some, some business owner kind of worry, can my engineer actually adapt to it? Yeah. So that's also why we design our software system from groundwork from day one. We, we want to make it like a pervasive 3D for everyone. Ah. So it's the UI is very intuitive. So for the 2D designer want to migrate in 3D, I say this is no brainer. Don't worry. <laughs> you can use the in a couple of days of training. If one of your customers was telling someone they knew in the same industry mm -hmm. what benefit they got from using your services, what would be the one or two biggest benefits they would say they received? I will say two things. One is really fast design. Typically their engineer just do two day training can, can be productive. Mm. And uh, for the same product you want to design using our system, typically only take half of the time comparing to using wow. other systems. That's yeah. one major advantage. The second one is you, you almost finish your design. You submit it to the manufacturer. Manufacturer, well, that piece you need to change. Otherwise I cannot make it. So those are not anticipated, but our system has the flexibility. You can do whatever change you want at a later stage. So it sounds like you can help lower the cost with getting a better design. Absolutely. So you, you don't have to have this a back and forth between the designer or manufacturer or between the designer or the sales guy. So typically we have the collaboration system to incorporate all the input at very early stage. 
So it, the, that, that's come back to the market trend. The time you have for design your product and go to the market getting shorter and shorter. That's one, you have to do it faster. The second thing is the, the market demand more and more personalized product. No, I, I want to be different. I want my name being <laughs> on the product, right? right, right. So, so as a manufacturer, you got to have one, design very fast. Two, do whatever changes your customer asks you to do. So that's our, our solution has been designed to address these issues. Well, you know, they tried, they're still, I guess, trying 3D TV. You know, it's not for everyone. Right. It's right. been a slow slow adoption for um, people doing that. But uh, yeah. I mean, I met an engineer who was on a team developing that. So uh, 3D is out there. It's just, uh, it's exciting and different. And uh, in your business though, it's totally different than for, you know, right. someone in uh, uh, entertainment. Well, I wouldn't say it's a complete different. Ah. The, the, the application is different, uh -huh. but the underlying technology is very similar. Oh, okay. okay, for instance, most of the design software were uh, geared for manufacturing, right? You design something, you want to manufacture it. But the traditional manufacturing uh, is like a, a more on the boundary surface. But I think most of you heard about the additive manufacturing, like a 3D printer. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't work on the surface. You just, just like you print, you just print things in three dimensional. So this new area and but all the design was addressed for the old traditional design approach. Right. So this this printing things just seems like a game you're making the character very similar. Uh, that was a big change, the it 3D is. printing. It is. And then <coughs> more people like a individual customer want to make my own character, my own design and print it. Just, I imagine a couple of years, three years to, from now, Every, you have a home printer. Just today you have a 2D printer printing your, your letter on the paper, but now you're going to have a 3D what printer do you think, at home. What do you think was the most difficult part of that, the 3D software for the 3D printing or the, the printer itself? Printer itself is the <clears throat> technology is there. The, the, what's needed in enhance and improve is the handling different material, right? For different purposes. So, start with a plastic, but now the high-end printer can print the even metal and the composite material. And the 3D design, design, design your geom shape. But the, the interface between these two, I think is the difficulty because the, you need to control your manufacturing process. Like when I do the 3D printing, where, what material I should print with here and next, next two millimeter, I need to print a different material or the control of the speed and the temperature, all this controlling and your design need to be integrated together. And that's also a direction to integrate the product from sales to engineering, simulation, to manufacturing, even to the customer support. Incorporate all this information into as a, the attribute to your 3D design model. Mm. Well, you've certainly found a niche in the market. Absolutely. You've got, you've got to be doing something. Uh, yeah, IronCAD is, uh, is, is, let's talk about your geography mm -hmm. for your your mm -hmm. your market and the type of market you uh yeah that you're best fit for right other I, than manufacturing or within manufacturing right within manufacturing uh, i mentioned that i'll focus more in the machine design fabrication product design and there's a modular system design mm -hmm. so we sell our software solutions through worldwide distributors we have about uh, 50 plus distributors, mm -hmm. mostly uh, in North America, Europe, and Asia. So we have the worldwide customer. Okay. Is that, so it's any manufacturing, really. It's a wide market. It, it is a wide market, but we, we try to focus in, in this area, our system do better. Mm -hmm. And there's certain area we don't, we can do it, but we don't necessarily do better. But those focus area, we definitely believe we are doing better. Well, Han, you've got a great insight to this industry with all your your uh, experience and your and your and the kind of market that you're 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 touching. What what what's coming? What what's new? What's uh, where do you see the market going for for CAD and uh, strategies and things like that for the future? Yeah, I will see two major direction. Is one is because the market requires more people. Their opinion should be listened during the design approach. Therefore, more and more people, not just the designer and engineer, the, the salespeople, customer, they need to be able to participate in the design process. So, and, and secondly, because of that, it, 
engineer typically in a in a design office, but those people like salespeople, they are traveling all the time, and the the customer are all everywhere. So you have to provide them the mobility, so they can participate in the design collaboration anywhere and anytime. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's the trend, and we developed a new technology with different product for different people,、mm. but very simplified information for like a customer and the salespeople, not sufficient to convey the product, capture what the customer need. But on the other hand, for the same product, the engineering data need to be very comprehensive and with engineering details. Since they are talking about the same product. You have to be able to convert from one format to the other format back and forth without losing information,、mm. right? And、mm. also, when you allow your product design information go out your office with the salespeople everywhere, you have to have the confidence about the security. You don't want your trade secret trade secret get leaked. So all this require new technology to enable this. So I see that's where the market goes. And、uh, I, I also say we want to have the technology fulfill the requirements. I'm glad you said that because、uh, you know I would just as soon as you said it, bingo, security, you know, the the trade secrets and all.、Yes. But don't you guys both think、uh, that you know the interactiveness、uh, today, the openness, the sharing of information is is much greater than it used to be? I mean, even in schools now, they have、uh, interactive learning.、Uh, Boards, I would call them tables, whatever, where students stand around it and they interact, and、uh, and it's quite an quite an amazing. Well,、process. given what's going on in the the news today, the issue of leaked information is certainly、uh, germane to what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we always believe open information is the is the key factor promote advance.、Mm-hmm. So you 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 have to get everybody's、uh, participate to make things getting better and better.、Mm-hmm. But on the other hand. You do want to keep your trade secret, so I see these two things are not necessarily conflicting to each other. <clears throat> but you do have to have some technology to protect your information. You open for what you want to open, but when people want to get into the secret, <laughs> they have a way to protect it. Yeah, I guess the customer decides what's a secret and what's not.、Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Non-disclosure. Well, yeah, non-disclosures are good, but the issues never if you can win. It's if you can afford to fight it, right? Right, but but even. See, there's a two protection. One's from the legal side, right? From you have a contract, if you have NDA to protect you legally. But on the other hand, you also need the technology. So people want to break the contract; they want to be doing something <laughs> illegally. But you have the technology to prevent them to do so.、Excellent. But it's not always. But you need to try both. Yes, yes. So technology is a two-edged. Sword, I suppose. Yes, We, people、yeah. want to break in, also using advanced <laughs> technology. Only if you're successful, right? <laughs> yes. Everybody <laughs> wants to steal the stuff that doesn't work, right? Right, and then who can get a better technology wins?、Right. Yeah, yeah. Great information, Han. He's the president of、uh, IronCAD LLC, a, a 3D and 2D、uh, CAD design software company、uh, right here in Atlanta. Um, so Han,、uh, you know Iron Cad's、uh, involvement in、uh, local community is quite extensive. I, 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 looking at your website, it looks like you guys are are very much a part of the the community. Yes,、um, you know our Iron Cad's、uh, culture is、so、we see people is the most value asset. So we treat our employee as a family member, take care of them. We also expect them contribute well. So similarly, RNK as a one member in the community, we also want to contribute,、mm-hmm. and our technology is more. We think we can help in the educational side. So we've been participate in the educational program, state education program. We work together with Georgia Tech and participate in the STEM program. And science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So we donate our software to to school, and we train hundreds of、uh, teachers from middle school and high school, so they can kind of expose the state of our technology in the manufacturing industry to the students. So students know what happened outside, and they will be better prepared when they need to go to the industry.、Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. So,、uh, your personal experience.、Uh, do you want to share some information with, with sure, us? Sure, I'm. Some- I'm just an individual. Don't have much, but、uh, I do have some experience that I like to share because I'm a, basically a technical guy. Okay, I I doing the technology in the industry. Also do research as a faculty member in the university, but mainly is technology. But since I co-founded IronCAD in two thousand one, I'm kind of have to do more management and the business side. Okay, but interesting is, 
doesn't matter what I do, I feel there's some common principle. In other words, you you got to have your own vision, what you believe, and always working hard, be persistent on what you work. But but on the other hand, don't don't expect things will turn out what you plan for, because <laughs> so many factors you cannot control. But if you come persistently working hard, things going to happen. You just don't know when and how it happened. So so that's important. Be realize your dream. Be persistent. But on the other hand, career is important. But similarly, your family, your friend, other life is important. Live a balanced life. That that will reduce your pressure from your work uh-huh. and have a more healthier life. That's a great. That's some great advice uh, coming right from an entrepreneur uh, who started a company back in two thousand one and is now distributing his software worldwide. That's excellent. Good information. Keep it simple. Yes. You know? Yes. Keep it simple. Um, it's, it's excellent. Good yeah. insight. Yeah, keep trying, but don't give yourself too much pressure. Yeah, some people just chase the almighty dollar, <laughs> and they come up uh, short, and then they're you know not too satisfied. Yeah, I feel give back to the community, do some charity. That's an excellent way to balance yourself, so you feel the self of fulfillment. Even your 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 career work doesn't work out in a particular time, you still feel I'm valuable. Right. So then you have the time. Sometimes it will work out. <laughs> Very good information. Great insight, Han. That's that's excellent, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Iron Cad over in uh, Marietta, Atlanta, Riverside. Yeah. Yes, my River pleasure. Edge. My pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Tell our listeners how they can reach out to you or your company, uh, your website, whatever, to get more information about your company and uh, and how they can uh, value from your. Your products, and yes. Your services. Uh, our website is www.ironcat. I R O N C A D. com. That's the best way to reach us. And if you want somebody want to call me, you're welcome. My phone number is six seven eight two zero two eight three two one. Excellent. Great. Great. I'm sure you'll get some calls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services, and uh, our next guest is Lloyd. Lofton, and he's got a great little program called Seven Figure Sales Tools. Uh, we're in the now the world of marketing and uh, sales training. And uh, Lloyd, tell us a little bit more about your company and the focus you're on. Yeah, I know that marketing's really a, kind of a booming industry. It, it's almost scary, isn't it? Yeah. Like today, everybody has become an expert, and everybody runs webinars to teach you everything which I find kind of interesting that there's so many experts out there and so many different things. Yeah. From their home. <laughs> From their home. So maybe they watched a video of somebody else doing it and now they're remarketing it as their own stuff, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, seven figure sales tools is kind of an outgrowth of what I've been doing since 1977. I started with John Hancock in 1977 as a debit insurance agent. Nobody knows what a debit agent is anymore. Back then all insurance companies were unions. Ah. So all salespeople belonged to the union. You were straight commission, but you were union. And I remember in 1978, John Hancock went on strike. So I'm out there walking the picket line. My commission check is inside the building. I can't go in and get it. There's no such thing as direct deposit, ATMs, none of that existed. FedEx didn't exist then. Yeah. yeah. So the industry's kind of changed a lot. But uh, So what, what you would do, we have a marketing company in, in Marietta. So if you sign up to sell one of our products, then you get me. So I'll come out and do, I'll, I'll do a keynote at your sales convention. I'll do seminars for you, workshops for you. I've done that for years. I ran a career distribution for a large Midwest insurance company and I've run a call center. Uh, and as I've aged and as I've got uh, to the other side of my career, I've been wanting to kind of back out a little bit. Uh, but the thing that seems to be the most requested is to have sales training. So what's happened, I mean, the good thing about uh, Obamacare, whether you, regardless of your politics, is, is what it did do is it drove consumers to a website. They made it more normal than abnormal to enter personal health information online, enter their credit card, and make purchases, something insurance companies have been trying to do for 20 years and haven't been successful at it. Mm. Uh, so the process has changed. Insurance companies are changing their commission structure and how they're compensating salespeople. Consequently, uh, major carriers are no longer doing sales training. They're doing product training. And that rolls the sales training down to the broker dealers, the FMOs, the 
MGAs, and they have to do sales training themselves. Uh, so what's happening is that they can't take people out of the field to do sales training. So people like me are going to kind of fill in that gap. The way we kind of branched into the sales training is a few years ago when Obamacare passed in 2010, we were looking around for some non-insurance related products to market and we decided to start marketing credit card processing. So I spent six months on the street going business to business and failed miserably. <laughs> I mean, for six months, I couldn't get anybody to buy the credit card processing. Wow. I finally got an attorney in, in uh, Dallas County as my first customer. And I realized then that the sales process was transferable to almost any industry. So the principles that had helped me succeed in the insurance business were the same ones that would help any industry. And that's kind of how we migrated into having the sales training. We got more and more requested, requests for sales training, manager training, that we created an online membership site so people mm -hmm. could have the training available 24 hours a day at a reasonable price for them. So the training you're getting uh, is not from an individual that's doing it from theory or from a class they went through. It's from someone who actually still sells. Yeah, a yeah, school of hard knocks. And as Han said, persistence. Well, just Figure like, it out. I mean, li listening to Han, he's a, he's a perfect example. We were talking before we came on air about uh, one of the areas he wants to look into is marketing. But the, the truth is you're, you're pretty good at marketing. I mean, you've succeeded for 16 years. Mm -hmm. You've got offices in two different countries. So your network out there to market already exists. Your your client base, if you if I went to Google and I typed in three of your, your top customers, my guess all, is all their competitors would come up on Google. That's true. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, but we don't feel we got enough because we're always kind of lacking of leads. Leads. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what everybody wants, leads? Well, we want hot leads. We don't want just hot leads. We want hot, hot leads. Yeah, all salespeople say, I need more qualified leads. Exactly. And what I tell all salespeople is maybe. <laughs> maybe you need more qualified leads. Or maybe what you need are more leads to qualify. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem in sales, the problem all salespeople have, regardless of the industry, is they're looking for a sale. They're looking for a customer. And that's probably the worst mindset you can have. And the reason for that is you're looking for someone who wants to buy from you. And what you may need to be looking for are people who are willing to have a conversation with you. Uh, what you may need to be looking for are people that are willing to exchange information with you, share ideas with you, and then see you as a solution to a problem they have. Mm -hmm. The problem with looking for someone that wants to buy from you is most people are not necessarily looking to buy. I'll give you a real life example. As both all of you, both of you bought a car before at a car dealer, right? Oh, yeah. And did you take the car for a test drive before you drive it? Absolutely. Typically. So let's look at what I call predictable buying behaviors. And this works in any industry. So you get on the car dealership lot, you get out of your car, the car salesman comes up to you and says, can I help you? And you say, I'm just... Just looking. Just looking, right? Yeah, so right. you lie too. Right. Right. You didn't go to the car dealership. I mean, that's a destination stop, right? <laughs> you didn't go to the car dealership because you're not interested in the car. Right. So we lie too. Now, when the customer lies to us as salespeople, we always get irritated and frustrated and say, well, you know, they lied to me about it. But the truth is we all lie. But really, did you lie to the salesman or are you just looking? Or is your real issue is you just don't want to be sold? I don't want to be bothered. Yeah, but, you, don't, you don't want to be bothered because you don't know what but you're- I'm here. You don't know what you're there for yet, right? Yeah. I've looked at enough pictures on the internet. Right, I want to see right. the thing. And so let's move to, So now that we've determined that we're all liars, let's move <laughs> to the next. Let's move to the next step and talk about what the predictable buying behavior is. So you you pick a car out that you like, you get in the car, right? You got the car salesman with you. Now before you take the car out on the road, do you adjust anything in the car? Absolutely. What do you adjust? The seat, the belt, and the mirror. So what do you adjust, Dominic? Oh yeah, just uh, you know, kind of just see what's working. What you know, this you know so how it feels, the seat and uh, the roominess. Some and stuff people like will adjust the tilt just, steering. Yeah, tilt the steering. See if it tilts. Right. You know? Yeah, all the little bells and whistles that it's got. Yeah. So what are we doing? We're making we're adjusting the car to make it fit who? Us. To make yeah. it fit us. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then you take that car out for a test drive, which is ironic. It's kind of an ironic term that you're testing it because what are you actually testing? I mean, has anybody ever? Pull the car over, take the wheels off, and check the brakes. Do you yeah. take the catalytic converter off and make sure the pistons yeah. are working See right? See how it performs and how quiet it is and, you know, what it feels like. And does what this, it feels is this like. the right one? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You want to make sure that the car feels right yeah. for you. Right. Whether do I like it. Right. Whether you like it. Right. Now, you come back to the dealership, you pull on the lot, and where does the car salesman have you park it? 
right next to yours, right? right? So you can see what a piece of crap you're driving. <laughs> right. And then when you get out of the car, where do you go with the salesman? Into a room. Into a room, right. <laughs> talking about the price. <laughs> now, here's my question for you. When you go in, when we look at predictable buying behaviors, when you go in that room, are you going in the room for the purpose of discussing which car you're going to buy? Or are you going there to discuss how much you're paying for that car? Payment. How much you're paying for that car? Right. And the reason for that is you already took emotional ownership over the car. Right. You're just discussing the price. Right. These behaviors are predictable. You've described predictable buying behaviors today yourself. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the benefits, which is different than a feature, a feature is what a product has or does. A benefit is why people would want that product. Right. So for right. example, a, a metal bucket, the, the feature of that metal bucket is it's metal. The benefit may be that it's durable, it lasts longer, and it carries more, uh, more material. Mm -hmm. That would be the benefit for it. So if I'm looking for someone that would purchase my product called a metal bucket, I'm looking for someone that wants a product that's more durable, that lasts longer and carries more material. I'm not looking for someone who wants a metal bucket. Mm -hmm. If they want a metal bucket, they probably already have one. So my point is your ben the benefits of your product is your prospects, they get the opportunity to kind of test it out. Mm -hmm. They can go to your website and kind of play around. Right. They can, and that's the key, that's the goal. You, how, no matter what your product or industry is, how can you help your customer adjust your product or services to fit them so that they have an interest in figuring out how to get that for them? Mm -hmm. So if you just think of the car buying process, and, and the other thing I would tell you is it's kind of like uh, going to a restaurant. We've all taken our spouse or significant other to a restaurant, right? But let's look at the buying process in a restaurant. It's so interesting to me. You, my wife and I, we, 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 I'm we're, hungry. <laughs> you're hungry. There you go. We were at the gathering spot the, the other day, the other night, last Friday night. So you walk in and they say, uh, you know, how many people? Two people. All right. You want a booth or a table? We want a booth. I always want a booth. So they set you at a booth. They set your silverware up. They bring you water. And they say, what can I get you to drink? My wife takes Diet Coke. I take a Sprite. Then they come back later and and ask you uh, what do you see on the menu can i tell you what our special is you order something you get your your uh, salad dressing on the side however you order it they come back and check after you started eating your food and see how it's going and then they come back and say are we getting anything for dessert mm -hmm. and then you either buy dessert or you or you order dessert or you don't and at the end of the meal they give you a check right and then you pay the check right mm -hmm. where in that process did they ever ask you to buy anything <laughs> not one time did they say would it's you totally assumed would you buy a steak dinner mm -hmm. what they do is they talk to you about the things you use the most in the order you use those things mm -hmm. so that's what sales training that's what marketing is all about talking to people about the things they use the most in the order they use those things giving them a way and an opportunity to fit your product or service to them so they make it fit them they become what did you say comfortable with it right Right. how you feel about driving it, Dominic, right? Yeah. If you address those issues, then the price becomes a fact, not a question. Right. The cost right. of the service validates the feeling they have about the benefits they get from the service. So it's a naturally developing process people are already used to. Exactly. Mm. Good insight. Good yeah, insight. If people can, if you can help people adjust your product or service to fit them mm -hmm. so that they take emotional ownership over it, mm -hmm. then the only question is how much of your service are they going to buy? Not if they're going to buy it or how much they're going to pay for it, how much of their service they're going to pay for it. Does that make sense? And when, that do, you, when do you need sense. it? When do you need it? Right. Yeah, exa yeah, exactly. Do you need so, it now or do you need it? Yeah, so, so the question is, for example, I work with insurance agents that sell annuities. So let's say an annuity has a 5% bonus on it. Mm -hmm. The question, the, the, the trial close, the dominant closing question would be, when did you want to start your savings? Mm -hmm. It would never be, when do you want to transfer your money? Do you want to buy the annuity? It'd be, when do you want to, when do you want to start getting your bonus? Yeah. Mm. Lloyd, then I have a related but different question. So for, for the it. consumer, they can decide what they buy, what they don't buy. But in our business, we sell to a company. So we did similar thing to the engineer or engineer manager who who gone to using the product. You convince them, this is the product. But they say, I still cannot buy it. Because my, my advisor tell me, you cannot buy anything else besides what we already use. Ah, the old well, budget, may, the budget. That, you that, saw on the budget at you, Lloyd. That may be true. Okay. That may be true. <laughs> but let's go back to predictable behaviors. Mm -hmm. In my experience in working with Fortune 500 companies, 
all departments and the individuals who run that departments typically fill out some type of business plan for the year or marketing plan or right. vision plan, and they're set with a budget. So the, the question may not be that they don't have the money in their budget to pay for it. The question may be, where are they spending money anyway that by using your product, they can reposition to fund your product? So you gave a great, you gave a great example mm-hmm. earlier, and that is somebody has a, a, a product or a tool they're using to do a design, and they have to go back and redo it several times and use several different resources to do that. I don't know a lot about your industry, but what I hear you describing are behaviors that re-spend money in a budget mm-hmm. for the same results that mm-hmm. they wanted to get the first time. Right. So if I can show them how to capture lost money in their budget, in other words, last year you spent $200,000 $200, to have these designs redone three or four different times in order to get the manufacturing process down, if I can show you a way to to cut Save, that out up yeah. front and capture those lost dollars, you can reposition those dollars to start making incremental payments mm-hmm. to build your design out. Yeah. So it may be that the engineer doesn't have the money to do it, but the engineer it doesn't have to be the decision maker. He only has to be the influencer. What you're looking for in a company are influencers. You want someone to influence the person who makes the decision. Mm-hmm. And usually, not all the time, but usually the buyer, the person who actually makes the decision, has little or anything to do with the actual presentation, mm-hmm. the negotiation. Mm-hmm. They have little or anything to do with that. But it's important to understand what their role is. And their role is to go back to their boss and say, hey, I figured out that if we used Han, by using him, we'll save $200,000 over here. And instead of Han's product costing us, I don't know what the price is, so this is inaccurate, people, $500,000, we're all going to be able to get it for only $300,000 because we're spending $200,000 anyway. Right. What you yeah. want is you want them to have the aha moment. And and here's the analogy. Let's say I go into a husband and wife and I'm going to sell my health insurance plan. I show up at the house and the husband tells me that the wife's picking the kids up from school and won't be there. But it's okay. I have the authority to make that decision. And at the end of the sales presentation, when he says, I want to think about it, I have just unleashed an untrained, unlicensed salesperson to market my product because mm-hmm. he's going to tell the wife about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you... When you go through this process with an engineer, do you train them how to market your product to their boss? Yes, I think that, that they, they Are, become the one doing a campaign for us. So if yeah. that's true. But my guess is, I mean, I know you said okay, but what I hear you saying is they know how your product works, but mm-hmm. you probably didn't train them to sell their boss on the product. And the problem is you have an untrained salesperson going to the decision maker. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to circumvent. We have to recognize that their role is involved in the engineering part and saying to their boss, this is how this product is going to benefit us. But we need to come around that person mm-hmm, and get mm-hmm. to that decision-making and show them where the money will come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a predictable behavior. Every department has waste. Every department mm-hmm. has money they're spending anyway. So to me, in your industry, and I don't know a great deal about it, but I know the buying process, the first thing I would want to research is what vendors have they used in the past, mm-hmm. which ones worked and wouldn't, didn't work, and what did the ones that didn't work cost them? Because yeah, right. that's money that could reposition. Right. So you got a great point. We got to make the decision maker understand the return of investment. Perfect. Well, that's true. But I, I don't know that you have to make him understand. Mm-hmm. We, I, you know, we, and we always say that. We, our point of view is always that we want to make sure that they understand us. But Han, my counsel to you is it may be more important that we're understanding about how they make their buying decision. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. If I understand how you make your buying decision, where you get the authority from, and what your requirements are to make that payment, then I might be able to show you a way to do that. You're absolutely right. We need to fit into their thinking process, exactly. not ask them to fit into our process. Right. You know, you yeah. sound like you're an evangelist. Hey, <laughs> you've made him one. You've made him one. Yeah, thank you. Know? you. Lloyd, Lloyd Lofton, Sales 101. We just went through his first training, first <laughs> training class. <laughs> Valuable training. Uh, Lloyd is, is excellent. A lot of experience. Uh, he's the chief sales officer. I haven't heard that one before. CSO. I love it. I know. I kind of came it. up with Chills. them all because yeah. everybody's a Solutions. director yeah, or you yeah. know, whatever. Right. But that's excellent. Uh, seven figure sales tool. Perfect name. How'd you come up with that name? Well, most salespeople want to make $100,000 a year. It's a six figure income. And if they make six figure income over 10 years, they have a seven figure business. Ah. So most, you know, a lot of times people's uh, idea of of developing a business and developing revenue from it comes from that large figure and they don't really break it down. So 100,000 a year is 8,333 a month, $2,100 a week or $400 a day. 
So you have to figure out what's the one product I can sell to make $400 a day, and that will end up being 100000 a year. The same mm-hmm. principle applies to developing a million-dollar business. That's $83,000 a month. So mm-hmm. if you break that, what your financial goal is, if you break it down into parts that you can manage, then you can actually create a marketing plan and an activity plan in order to accomplish that. So a, a seven-figure sales tool is talking about building a seven-figure business, but doing it with the tools that will get you where you want to go. So Lloyd, are there different sales? Do you offer different sales training for different types of clients? Or is it all kind of, like you say, it's, uh, it's the same stuff that works for just about everybody? Well, that's a great question. Uh, sales training really depends on the sales model. So for example, I was in Indianapolis last week working with a call center. And uh, we had about 40 people in the room. And their call center people sell product on the phone, but they also recruit salespeople in to sell their product. Mm. So while the principles of the script, the principles of the approach are the same, uh, the, the, the style and the delivery of it are a little bit different. So for example, if I'm recruiting salespeople in, it may be more, it may be more important for me to be understanding about how they make their money and then show them how we can increase that revenue than it is consumers. Because a consumer may be more interested in about how much money that they're having to put out for co-pays, deductibles, or, for example, life insurance. The reason that uh, insurance agents have trouble selling life insurance is most consumers hear you saying that they have to come up with new money in their budget for a product that they don't know they see as a benefit. Mm -hmm. If I can find out where you're already spending money and show you how to reposition that for this product, then you may have more of an interest in talking about it. Another example is life insurance isn't about the person being insured. It's about the beneficiary. Most salespeople, when they talk to a prospect, they talk to either the wrong person or about the wrong thing. I would never talk to someone about life insurance for them because they're going to be dead. It's their <laughs> beneficiaries that actually get the money. They're about getting it. nothing from it. Yeah, this isn't a, and I've had husbands say that. I don't think I need life insurance. You know, I'm I sorry. I can't spend it. Yeah, I did a poor job in explaining this. This isn't for you. Barbara, this is for you, right? So you don't have to marry some guy because you need someone to make a house payment for you? Sometimes we just have to think this stuff through. It's simple. Right, right. So we're so working with the call center people, working with the call center people, you know, there's manipulation and, and, and uh, persuasion. Manipulation is when I'm trying to influence you to do something that's of interest to me. Yeah. Marketing that's when people for your guys. sense the, right. the sales yeah, guy. Absolutely. You know, when you're trying to sell me something. Right. Yeah, that's we, why we, we tell, resist that. That's why we tell the car salesman, oh, I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm just looking. And yeah. then you drive out two well, hours I later. Wanna, spending... I don't want to be sold, but I would like to drive that new. Yeah, so right. ne- next time we talk to the engineer, it doesn't tell him how good the product is, but you only need to work six hours to get your job. Hey. But they, see, you hit the nail right well, on the head. So, <laughs> so, so persuade, manipulation is influencing someone to do what I, what I want them to do, right, right? Right. Persuasion is influencing them to do something that they want to do. So what does the engineer want to do? What do they want to accomplish? At the end of the day, at the end of a project, what's the engineer's goal? Yeah, they want to do a good job, but don't do overtime. How would they know it's a good job? Finished job. How would they know it's a good job? Uh, Because they always got a specification. They can satisfy the requirement. And who's going to tell them they did a good job? Uh, Their manager. So what they're looking for, the the persuasion for them is imagine the project's finished. Imagine your boss comes into your department and tells you, not only do you, did you finish it on time, the customers love it, you brought it in under budget, mm-hmm. and this afternoon we're all going to lunch to recognize how much you contributed to the company. Mm-hmm. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persuade you to do something that's of interest to you. And by persuading people to do something of interest to them, I did this in the credit card business. I'd go into a small business owner and the business owner of course is if it's an auto repair place he's in the back making money he doesn't want to talk to some salesperson so i i would say to the gatekeeper have your sales gone up are they flat or they've gone down well most of the time in our economy the last few years they're going to say well they've either been flat or gone down and i say so now do you get a raise when sales are up when they're flat or when they go down she says well when they go when sales are up let me tell you what we do so what we do is we help uh, small businesses capture 15 to 20% of the prospects who come in who can't afford to make a purchase because they don't have the money, the credit, or the down payment for it. And the way we do this is we help them with a finance program that allows them to pay a third down, spread the rest of the payments out over a six-month period of time regardless of their credit. And she goes, well, this would be great for our business. And I say, do you want that to be my idea with your boss or do you want it to be your idea? And that gatekeeper will go influence that boss to come out and talk to me. Mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. I what I did is I persuaded her to do something that's of interest mm-hmm. to her. Does that make sense? Yes, Lloyd. We I learned quite a valuable things today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I need to talk to you more. That's right. I have <laughs> I have my bill ready for you when we leave. Uh, <laughs> needed to get our producer to extend this show to to another hour. I mean, we need another hour for Lloyd. <laughs> uh, we'll get into sales training one oh two. That's funny. Two oh two. That's nice of you to say. Hey, this that. is excellent. Good stuff. Yeah. Good reaction. Uh, it's, it's it. You know, it's all about doing business. And without the exchange of money, without making that sale, nothing happens. People don't realize it, right? I mean, it's, it's well, what makes the world go around. You know, the story of the six degrees of connection, I think we're all connected in more ways than we, we yeah. recognize. Mm-hmm. I, I used to work the worksite marketing for small business owners. And one of the things I used to do is I, if I got a small business owner that would buy the worksite products, I would ask them questions that would uncover information, questions, gather information, objections disclose information so i'd ask them questions about who they contract with who they work with that helps their business operate so everything from the cleaning company they use to the bookkeeper they Mm -hmm. use because as they disclose that information those become referrals those becomes people that i get introductions to so we're connected in a lot of ways your business is connected to a lot of other businesses out there who actually can be evangelists for you and influence other businesses and all different kind of industries is all they have to know is how to adjust the product or service to fit them and then they'll become an evangelist. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Many times when we sell into a company, then their suppliers start using our software right. as well. Exactly. That happens here on Silver Lining on the Cloud. And believe it or not, there's more synergy going yeah. on when we have a room of two or three or four guests right. and they all start talking either right. before or after the show. We find that they want to do business with each other. It's amazing. Right. We're all greedy. It's amazing. Yeah, we're, we're all greedy. We want wow. some of that business. Hey, why, why else did we get Even up that business, right? Why don't we get up? <laughs> yeah, World right. of the Mouse is the best. Well, I wish we had a lot more time. I got to ask you one more question now. Okay. Uh, Lloyd, uh, you know, at uh, Seven Figure Sales Tools, you guys are are talking to a lot of different people. You've got excellent, excellent uh, ideas, questions to ask, and information and experience with with uh, the sales environment. So, what what are the most important tools for training salespeople? A culture in a company of expectation. Now, I know that sounds odd to say that's a tool, but leadership runs down line. And if the culture of the organization is not one of expectation, if it doesn't encourage excellence and improvement, one of the things I did last week when I was in Indianapolis is I took the two managers in the room aside and I told them, this is the hardest thing that you're going to do today is you have to trust me. So if your team pushes back on any of the concepts that I put out here, they say, I wouldn't do that. That doesn't sound right. I've already done that before. That doesn't work. If you correct them, What's going to happen is they're going to shut down. They're going to quit talking to me, and I'm not going to be of any benefit to you. The challenge for for training is that most organizations who bring people in to do training, whether it's leadership training, management training, or sales training, what they think is at the end of that training, there's going to be a change in the results. And that's rarely true because the things that we train people on are the things that affect their habits. So we all have a cue we all have a routine and we all have a reward. And you know that when, when the phone rings and somebody says, hi, this is Bob Smith from Aflac, or this is Bob Smith from ABC Company. Is this Mr. Han? What's the cue to you? Who am I? Am I a family, friend, or relative, or am I a telemarketer? I'm a business service person. Right, yeah. So you already know I'm a telemarketer. So you're already going into your routine of I'm not interested. I've already got the product. And that's the same thing in a company. We have to recognize that there are certain cues or certain things that an organization does that triggers a routine in people. And that routine, if that routine does not gear them towards improvement, achievement, and accomplishing the company goals, then that routine is going to gear them into being rewarded for not being noticed. It's going to gear them into being rewarded for not taking risk. Mm-hmm. And the reason that most businesses are struggling, you know, we say it's a bad economy out there which I think is funny because if you go out to dinner, you have to wait like 30 minutes to get a decent seat anywhere. So I wonder where the bad economy is. But, so the biggest tool you can have is a, a business leader who has a culture in their organizations that fosters people's willingness to make mistakes, to grow from those mistakes and be recognized for the things you want them to do the most. In sales training, we say we want to train you on the things you want people to do the most in the order you want them to do those things. Mm-hmm. So the biggest tool I can have is, an, is a culture and an environment 
that fosters change and then give people enough time to succeed. That means that it's okay for people to have a mistake or, or falter. The real key is what is the environment that's going to support that growth when they do falter? People tend to grow from their strengths, not their weaknesses. So the question I ask a lot of uh, when I do leadership training is do you do better when you feel do you do better when you feel better or feel bad? And your answer, Dominic, mm. would be what? Oh, when I feel better. And do you feel better when you win or when you lose? When I win. Well, then there's the the philosophy problem that a lot of businesses have. If you do better when you feel better and you feel better when you win, why would you ever want your people to be wrong? <laughs> why would you ever want to lose? Yeah. yeah, why would you ever want them to lose? Mm -hmm. So if Losing you have, is a learning experience. That's it, all it is. It, it has to be. It has to be uh, an experience that people are willing to take that risk to grow. So right. yeah. sales training, management training, none of that works at all if the organization doesn't have a culture that fosters expectation. Great advice. Great advice from Seven Figure Sales Tools. And we're listening to, you've been talking with uh, Lloyd Lofton. And he is, uh, he is an expert. A lot of experience there, Lloyd. Um, why don't you tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and Seven Figure Sales Tools to get more information or to sign up for one of your seminars or to engage with your company? Thanks for asking. I appreciate that. Well, you can go to Seven Figure Sales Tools, www.sevenfiguresalestools.com. You can go to lloydlofton.com, L-L-O-Y-D-L-O-F-T-O-N.com. Or you can call me, 678-426-1506. We can have a little conversation and see if there's a reason to talk. Great advice. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Thank you again to our guest today, Mr. Han with uh, Iron CAD. Yes. I-R-O-N, just like it says, and capital C, capital A, capital D, Iron CAD, doing 2D, 2D and 3D software design. And yes. uh, uh, solutions and, and sales. And uh, also, uh, Lloyd Lofton, who've just listened to uh, uh, Seven Figure Sales Tools. This is great. Thank you for the interactiveness from both of you. Thank thanks, you thanks for letting it happen. It's been a pleasure. You, we you all, did a good we job. all learned something today. I'm Dom Rainey on behalf of CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their IT investment in support and cloud computing. As a reminder to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts when it comes to IT solutions please go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. Thank you again for our guests and also to make your life better, listen to Silver Lining in the Cloud. <laughs> <laughs>